This is Dr. Kara Shepard, and you're listening to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. everybody. Thanks for listening to Go Talk with the Goat Doc. This is episode 21, and I am going to talk about care of the paraparturient doe. I am not in my truck today. I am at home, uh, which is a bit of a fluke. And instead of truck background noises. You might hear my dogs in the background because they have to be right in the same room as me at all times. Uh, so sorry if they make funny noises. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, things you'd like me to talk about on future episodes, please always feel free to email me at goatdoccara at gmail.com. It's G-O-A-T-D-O-C-C-A-R-A at gmail.com. The website is goatdoc.com and you can find me on Instagram at goat underscore doc and Twitter at goat doc. I think that's all of the contact methods. Um, Even in real life, it's so much better to get in touch with me by those like online contact methods. I really hate talking on the phone. Uh, Yeah. So today I am going to talk about your paraparturient dough. So the paraparturient period is the time period, which it's funny, I Googled it because I was like, am I, is that really like a word that I think it is? And it is, but it's funny that it seems to uh, refer to cows more than people. I guess you don't refer to women as paraparturient. Who knew? Uh, but this is for uh, paraparturient period is the period immediately before and after. For cows, it would be calving. For does, it would be kidding. Um, and I'm going to talk about the kind of the stages of labor and that kind of thing today. Even though I'm not in the truck, I'm kind of just talking off the top of my head here a little bit. So hopefully it is somewhat coherent. As always, this podcast is provided with the intent to educate and inform. It is not a substitute for professional medical advice or veterinary care provided by your local vet. And I strongly encourage you to establish and maintain a current and valid veterinary and client patient relationship, VCPR, with your local vet. Um, all right. So this episode is kind of following on the tail of episode 19, which was care of the pregnant doe. So in that episode, I talked about kind of how I manage my animals through like after breeding. Um, and then, you know, I think, you know, I talked about pregnancy detection, uh, back another couple episodes before that. And then after, you know, they're pregnant, then what? is the question. So what I, what do I do from that time that I know they're pregnant until close to being ready to give birth? That's what I talked about in episode 19. 
And today I'm going to talk about like what we do and what or just like what I do with my does when they're getting ready to kid when they're close up. Uh, over the years, uh, I have gotten a lot more laid back about kidding. So has my husband. Uh, the first does that we kitted out at our place, like, oh, uh, 2008, maybe. Um, so like 10 years ago, we were like, what is the, the phrase? Something about like flustered hens or something wet. All there's some kind of poultry phrase about being all distressed. Um, <laughs> we were distressed for sure. We, um, you know, like two weeks before our first doe grace was due, we were like out there in the middle of the night looking at her and being super paranoid and oh my gosh. And we do not do that anymore because we have too many babies, too many does. And mostly, most of the time, these things go fine. Uh, mostly goats are really good at giving birth. Um, if they are set up for success with good uh, husbandry and good maintenance through their pregnancy and their dry period, like they're, they're pretty good at doing this. Um, depending on your management system, you may or may not want to be more hands-on or not. Um, and this also depends on like what, what breed of goat you're raising. Um, obviously my opinion is skewed towards dairy goats because that's what I deal with on a daily basis in my own animals. But if you're raising meat goats, it's a different thing. If you're raising fiber goats, it's a different thing. If you're just raising goats for like pets and landscaping, that's a different thing. Um, so there can be a question of, you know, how how much do you need to be hands-on with this doe and these babies or not? Um, but as for the most part, like goats are they're pretty good at this. Um, they're pretty they're pretty good at handling, giving birth. It's usually a quick process. And um, if your does are experienced and you're dam raising, that's great. You probably don't have to do too much, which is nice. Um, so in episode 19, I talked about how I recommend feeding grain, a concentrate to these animals as they get closer to their delivery date because of the increased calorie requirements from the babies. Um, so as you get close to, uh, parturition, the delivering of the kids, um, the dough should be like in good condition, ready to go, good plane of nutrition, good body condition, um, all of these things. You're setting her up for success, for a good delivery, for big, healthy babies. Uh, from a personal standpoint, I guess, before, so I'm going to talk about the stages of labor, like I said. From a personal standpoint, um, things that... I, some some like kidding pro tips, I guess, um, for uh, 
for saving your sanity during kidding. Um, we're going to kit out like between 25 and 30 does this spring. Um, our barn is not attached to our house and it would be a giant pain to go out there multiple times a night to be looking at these does that want to kid in the middle of the night or like the wee hours of the morning or whenever they want to do it. Um, a few years ago, we bought some remote access Wi-Fi cameras and a Wi-Fi extender to extend our wireless internet out to our barn. And I have to say all of that, let's see, we have like four cameras now and the Wi-Fi extender. So probably altogether, that was about 200 to $250 investment. And that was probably like the best $250 I've spent in the last six plus years. I can't think of anything better than that, to be perfectly honest. Um, I can post, I'll post in the show notes, like which camera we got. There's a whole bunch of them out there now. And the technology is really, um, pretty accessible as far as ease of operation and, um, setting those up. So I highly recommend having some barn cameras. Um, and we have them set up so we can monitor pretty much every location in the doe barn. And then we'll put one up on our kid area as well as the kids start to arrive. Um, the ones that we use have um, like an app for your phone. So we can, instead of getting up, um, my husband and I, when we are expecting a doe to kid imminently, so that means like within the next several hours, um, we used to alternate two-hour checks um, and one of us, so for example, we go to bed at like 10 o'clock, one of us would go out at 10 o'clock and then the other one would set their alarm for midnight and go out and look at the goats at midnight and then the other one would set their alarm for 2 a.m. and they would go out at 2 a.m. so we'd alternate back and forth. So theoretically, we would be getting four-hour stretches of sleep. Uh, I'm a lighter sleeper, so generally when my husband would wake up, I would wake up. Um, the the benefit of the cameras and the app is we still set our alarms, but instead of getting up and putting on all the clothes and walking out and there's a bunch of snow, we just flip over and look at our phones. And that's amazing. Yay, technology. Um, so that's nice. Um another another couple of like kidding pro tips have lots of towels um available that's nice i'm a big advocate of like reusing stuff some people have like uh what like what are they called the like the doggy pee pee pads that people let their dogs pee in in the house on the pads um some people like those to have does kid onto or like paper towels and things like that um i've just always asked like family to give us the towels that they're going to throw away so we have like all these kidding towels which is nice um Pro tip as far as that goes, you're going to do a lot of laundry during kidding season and all of the like birth goo membranes, make sure you pick those off of your towels before you put them in your washer. Um, and then make sure you know where the trap is on your washer and that you empty the trap at the end of kidding season. 
ask me how I know that stuff will sit in the trap and then your washer will back up when you try to use it. Uh, yeah. So don't forget to do that. Um, those are, I'll probably think of some more things as I get going here. So like I mentioned, if we have a dough that we expect to kid imminently, um, we will start watching her on the cameras, um, pretty regularly the the cameras that we use also like there's the phone app and then you can have the app on the computer too so it'd be like hanging out like whatever making dinner whatever and just put the app on the computer our computer is also like our tv so we just have like the tv with the goats on the camera Uh, yeah i don't know what that says about us but um so what, keeping an eye on everything can be very helpful. Um, what are what are we looking for in those does that um, that we expect to be kidding? I guess could be the question. Um, first of all, we try to be pretty good about knowing due dates. I feel like inevitably there's somebody that we don't know specifically when they're due, which is kind of annoying, but it kind of is what it is. Um, where we generally, our AI animals, like we're confident of because we wrote those all down and, you know, had to pay attention to breeding them. It seems like I've always got like one yearling or first freshener or something. I'm like, oh, you're pregnant. I don't know how or when. So that can be a pain. Um, but the things, even in those does that you don't know their due date, there are things you can watch for um, to give a clue when they might be getting close. Um, so some, I'm about to talk about some of those things. One of the things I always find kind of amusing and entertaining on goat groups and things like that online is when people take a picture of their goat with a big wide belly and they're like, how, how long until she gives birth and how many babies does she have? And like, it's, it's cool guys. If you, if like, if it's fun to have that conversation, that's totally fine. But there is no way you're going to tell by a picture whether that animal is even pregnant or not. It's, it can be fun to guess. So have fun, but I would put very little stock in what somebody says online from like looking at a picture of your goat. I have seen animals that look pregnant and totally are not, and animals that I was like, oh no, she's not pregnant, and then she spits some babies out. So, and that's in person too. Like, goats will pick every opportunity to fool you at every single chance that they get. Uh, So whether you know the due date or not, some things you can watch for in the dough um, to know whether she's getting ready to kid or not. Um, Can look for udder development. So this can vary dough to dough. I've got some doughs that start to make an udder like five to seven days before they kid. The tissue starts to get active. They can start to um, bag up. Usually I don't expect there to be actually any milk or colostrum there um, until 
maybe a day or two before kidding, but every animal is different. Um, and I also don't go around like squeezing the udder to see what's in there. Most of the time you can tell by feeling I've got some does that like the tissue is just like ramping up for action. Um, there's not any actual milk there yet. Um, but then as soon as they freshen and they kind of work out metabolically their deal, they start to make a lot of milk. Um, so they, the udder may enlarge, um, you, and usually like, even if it's like looking a little bit bigger and a little bit prominent, um, it's usually kind of soft, um, and not feeling like it's full of milk, like a, a full udder is kind of firm and taut feeling. Um, and that doesn't usually happen until kidding is actually happening or, or like shortly before. Um, so udder development, uh, the other thing, a couple other physical changes that can cue you in to be expecting kids soon. Uh, one is, uh, the appearance of the doe's hind legs. So I call this like looking posty, um, in the hind legs. And that has to do with them standing so that their hocks, um, which is the second joint above the hoof, um, the, the, and they usually angle backwards towards the hind end of the animal. Um, usually that is like an angled joint when the animal is just standing there. But as for whatever reason, it may have something conscious to do, but I think it also is something physical to do with the changing body as they get closer to delivery. Um, they t tend to stand with their hind legs really, really straight. And, uh, my, my husband and I have always referred to that as kind of standing and looking posty. Some, some animals have anatomy where they just look posty anyway, but, um, you know, what's normal for that animal. If you've had that animal for a while, you know, what's normal. And if you see a change in how they're standing there, those hind legs look really straight up and down, then that can be a clue that they're getting ready to be closer to labor. Another physical sign of um, a doe getting closer to labor is uh, you may have heard people talk about this, or you may know exactly what I'm talking about if you've kitted does before. Um, your the the tail head ligaments um, of the doe will soften. So those ligaments are located on either side of the base of the tail. And um, as the doe's body is preparing to push a baby out through the pelvis or more than one baby out through the pelvis, those ligaments soften and um, provide like a more squishy soft tissue area for the kid to squeeze out through rather than a firm one. Uh, I will try to take some pictures of all this stuff as my goat's kid out this spring. Um, but basically the, the tail ligaments are located. One is on the left side of the tail and one is on the right. Um, they're kind of like two pencils that point uh, a little bit pointing towards the spine Um at like towards the front of the goat, they kind of point inwards a little bit. 
Um, in your dairy animals, like physically a really flat, um, wide rump is desirable. Uh, and what you'll see when the tail ligaments loosen and that area is getting ready to, um, squeeze a baby through it. Um, the, the tail head can look raised too. Uh, that's probably more prominent that, that change in, um, like how the animal's hind end appears in like a cow because like they're just bigger and they have a similar change to facilitate getting a calf through their pelvis. Uh, but that tail head can look a little bit raised up. So if you've got a nice doe with like a nice wide flat rump and then her tail head is looking like it's sticking up and she's got this like pointy thing in the middle of her hind end, like where her spine is, where her, where her tail is, then like that can be a pretty, you know, feel for her, feel for her ligaments there, feel for what they feel like. And that can also tell you if she's getting ready to give birth. Um, I, I guess I would probably lump those things, those couple of physical changes that I just talked about, uh, utter development, uh, standing, looking posty and, loss of tail head ligaments into stage one labor. Um, stage one labor is basically the doe's body getting ready to squeeze the babies out. Like I've said a couple times, uh, I'm going to link, I just Googled really quickly, um, stage one labor in goats and, um, there's like goat labor and birth for dummies, uh, which is actually the article here is pretty good. So I'll link to that. Um, and her description of stage one labor is basically just that they are restless and, um, the body is preparing to deliver the kid. Um, my does during stage one labor, in addition to those three things that I described, um, a lot of times they're like, they can be kind of grouchy or kind of needy. Like if you go out there with them, they are like talk to you and um, want act particularly lovey. Sometimes they want to like clean you a lot. Um, they often pick a place in the barn that they're like, this is my spot. This is where I'm going to squeeze babies out. And then they don't want to leave that spot. Um, they, um, Sometimes they'll paw and like try to dig a bed and stand up and get down and stand up and get down. Um, lots of times if we're watching them because some, a good number of does will lay down in active labor. Um, so we're like waiting for them to lay down and get down to business. And a lot of times if we're around, um, they, do not go into active labor because they won't lay down. I think just the fact some of my does are really, you know, deep, deep barrel does, like their abdomen is just really deep. And when they lay down, it just simply pushes, physically pushes the baby up towards the cervix, towards the birth canal. And then they've got to squeeze it out because there's nowhere else for it to go. Um, so, so yeah, stage one labor, restlessness, changes in the body. Uh, the body is preparing to squeeze the babies out. Stage two labor is the active process of delivering the goat kid or kids, usually kids. Um, it is normal for goats to have 
anywhere from one to five babies. Um, I saw an article, I think it was a record, honestly, um, a, of a doe giving birth to seven live kids this year, which is amazing. I think it was a Nigerian dwarf. Those, those little, those little guys tend to have high multiples sometimes. Um, but that is super impressive. So stage two labor is the active giving labor process. Um, the, um, I guess the, the, the delineation of when stage one ends and when stage two starts is when the dough starts pushing. So, and I mean, it's most of the time, like I said, they're good at this. A lot of times they like read the book and they have a very classic stage one, stage two, stage three, um, labor and delivery, and it's all good. Um, sometimes they don't read the book. So sometimes you've got your dough that's like, oh, it hurts. And she'll lay down and push a couple times and then be like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. And then she'll stand back up and then the baby falls back down in her deep abdomen and she doesn't have to push for a while. Eventually, the uterus is going to contract so much that the baby has no other option but to go out through the vagina. Um, another indication of stage two labor starting is you may see discharge. Um, usually it's kind of like a, a mucusy, stretchy, uh, clear to slightly cloudy, opaque to yellow, amber colored, gooey discharge. Um, sometimes you can kind of see some strings of that coming out. Um, if you catch the dough in labor, um, and it's a normal labor, <laughs> not sure what percentage of the time, but people often see like a bubble coming out of the doe's uh, vulva, which is the amniotic membrane. So that bubble is the sac that is holding the goat kid. Each goat kid has its own sac. Um, so if you see one, you should know that there's a kid in there. Um, there are... I guess like three desirable kid presentations that a doe can probably deliver on her own. Um, I can put some diagrams in the show notes of the normal uh, delivery position. The first one, like the classic easy one is with a kid with it's two front legs pointing forward like it's diving and its head right there. And there's some good like doctor words to describe these and I forget what they are right now. Uh, but that's like your normal legs and head first birthing position. That's the easiest one. Uh, that is a very streamlined position for the kid and doe can deliver that on their own. Uh, other streamlined easy position is a hind legs first. So hind feet first, uh, the f hind feet coming out first thing. The kid is all long and skinny and they should come right out through there. That's not a problem. Um, goats and sheep can also fairly easily deliver a kid or a lamb with uh, one front leg forward. They're like long, skinny, floppy little critters when they come out so that second shoulder being backwards as long as the head is with the one leg it's not a crisis if there's a head and one arm generally does can deliver that okay uh, positions that generally need intervention are a true breech birth so that's 
tail first with the hind legs forward up towards the head. Uh, that is uh, one that generally needs to be corrected by bringing the hind feet up to the birth canal and then having a normal backwards delivery. Uh, and then my least favorite <laughs> uh, delivery position is head back. So that can be one or both front feet present and trying to get out the birth canal, but that kid has its head back resting against the side of its body or resting against its back. And you need to go in there and you often need to go in there pretty deep to get that head to swing around the right direction and come out. Uh, I think that's kind of it as far as that goes. Um, other fun things that can happen are like if you have two kids trying to come out at the same time or if you have a kid that's presenting like sideways with its chest up against or something like that. Usually those are in multiple births. So like of at least two kids. Generally when things get tangled up, there's three or more kids in there. Um, and uh, the first one is usually the hardest because it's the most crowded in there and you have to figure out how to get everything to move around. I kind of like figuring these out. It's kind of a fun puzzle. Um, and yeah. So stage two labor is the active labor, the pushing, and uh, the coming out of the babies. What do you do with the babies? What do you do with active labor is up to you. Um, my husband and I tend to be fairly hands-on with uh, delivering kids when we're there. Um, they also can do fine um, without you, though. Like they, These animals have a really good instinct, generally, to take care of their babies and try to make them live. Some of them do not, um, and the more you know your animals, the more helpful that can be because, like, I've got a few animals that are really, really dumb about taking care of babies or not, um, The and we particularly watch those does when it's time for them to be due, particularly if it's cold outside because we need to get those babies warm. Um, the... And, and also, I, I will be honest, um, I've seen people have videos and things like that of like normal laboring goats, and that's fine. Um, the A delivery of a kid should not take more than 20 or 30 minutes. If a doe is in active labor for 20 or 30 minutes pushing for that period of time and not making progress, then you absolutely need to intervene. Um, or call your vet and have your vet come out to intervene if you're not comfortable with it. But uh, active labor, active pushing labor for that period of time needs to be checked out. Um, the more kids, the more kids you deliver, the better sense you have of whether you need to intervene or not. Um, sometimes you get kind of a gut feeling of like this dough should be progressing better than this, and. Um, I'm going to intervene because I feel like something's wrong. But the the rule for if this is like beginner time for you, um, if she is pushing for 20 minutes and not making progress, then something needs to be done. Uh, time between kids can be really frustrating too, um, especially in a multiple like 
you know, triplets, quads, things like that. Because by the time they get to that third or fourth baby, a couple things have happened. Uh, one is that pressure in the uterus is decreased. Like, oh, look, here's all this space. There used to be two babies in here, and now there's only two, or there used to be four babies in here, and now there's only two. So, woo, I can relax a little bit. I don't have to push. And two is like, they're just tired. Like, they did a lot of work so far, and then, then they have to do more work. Um, so, um, I've, and then, but then there's the other end of the spectrum too. I've seen does push out triplets in like eight minutes, like bam, 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 here they all are, go. Um, which is really nice because then you just take care of them and it's done. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, another kind of rule of thumb to between kids, probably 30 minutes to even an hour. If everything's going normally and I'm not in a rush to get to bed, I try to let them work that out on their own and work and squeeze the babies up. And I don't want to be messing around with them and trying to go in there and do things if I don't have to. Uh, so that, that time period in between deliveries of multiple kids can vary not insignificantly, which can be annoying, but they're goats, like I said. Um, how do you know if she's done or not? Uh, that can that's a good question because um, uh, when I so if you if you pregnancy checked your your dough, you know she's pregnant. Um, you have hopefully a good idea of when she's due, but you do not ever. <laughs> And I, I never guarantee baby numbers when I ultrasound goats, uh, because they will make you a liar every time. Uh, I will always say if I'm confident that there's at least one baby, I will say there is at least one baby. If I'm confident that there's at least two babies, I will say there's at least two babies. It's hard to tell with ultrasound. I probably mentioned in the pregnancy detection episode because, um, you can't visualize the whole abdomen, the whole uterus at once. Um, it's gotta be a picture in the, on the ultrasound where you have like two heartbeats in the same, uh, frame, or you have two spines in the same frame or something very obviously two of the object that each baby should only have one of. Um, and you have a limited window. So that can be, that can be challenging. Uh, what I tend to do with my does, because I don't tend to get too excited about counting babies uh, when they're pregnant. All I care is if they're pregnant or not. Um, I do what I, think, I call it bumping them. Um, I will stand behind the doe facing her. So standing behind her tail, but facing towards her, facing towards her head and put my hands under her abdomen and lift up. Um, and feel if I, if it feels like there's still babies in there. Uh, so similar how I talked in the pregnancy detection episode, uh, that can be, can, if it feels like there's another kid in there, there's probably another kid in there. If I have already had to assist that doe vaginally, I, even then I try to not stick my hands in there unless I have to, because every time you reach in there, you're introducing bacteria, um, potentially causing trauma to the tissue. I try to not fish around in there unless, um, I have a good reason to. So she has 
gone through stage one labor and stage two labor. And then stage three labor is the um, expelling of the placenta. So the placenta is the uh, organ that connects the baby to the mom. Uh, Goats have a cotyledonary placenta. Uh, There's some good pictures on the Colorado State website um, that I will link to in the show notes. Uh, Really cool, like, kind of necropsy anatomy type photos. This website is great. Uh, So I will link to that in the show notes. But that is where the dam's blood supply connects to the fetus's blood supply. Um, I think I've mentioned before, uh, when the placenta comes out, there are these circle things that look like pepperonis, and those are the um, cotyledons, which is the fetal side of the placenta. If you were to look in a pregnant, gravid uh uterus there's these lumps in there that are um look like kind of like bumps and that is the caruncle and that is the maternal side of the placenta those two things that's so they're both like these circle shaped things and they touch together and that is called a placentome and you can see those on ultrasound um so third stage three labor expelling the placenta General, it can happen anywhere from like right after the last kid is born to, you know, up to a couple days later. And I don't get excited about placentas. Um, a lot of my does like to eat their placenta uh, and I don't, I don't discourage them from eating their placenta. I talked with one of my uh, theriogenology professors at vet school about this and he he's a he was a cow guy, so he was like mostly the cow people, like dairy dairy cow people, will pull the placenta and not let the cows eat it. And I guess his, his argument for that was like, oh, there's a concern for like the placenta like sitting in the rumen and messing things up as far as digestion and um, you know, are they gonna choke on it? Whatever, like I've never experienced problems with the animals eating the placenta the thing <laughs> except um i got some does that are like so excited to eat the placenta that they will eat the placenta while it is still attached and coming out of their vulva if that happens i try to discourage them from doing that because the one thing you never want to do to a placenta is pull on it um those areas where the placentomes are where the placenta, the cotyledon attaches to the caruncle. Those will release as they're ready to release. Um, and pulling on those can cause bleeding. So we do not pull the placenta. Um, and I don't get excited if I don't see the placenta at all. I don't get excited if I see a little tiny bit of placenta hanging from the doe's vulva. Um, I just, I don't get too excited about placenta anymore. Um, treatment of retained placenta is, has changed, like, you know, kind of, and kind of translating this from the cow dairy world. Um, it used to be like, you know, put some boluses in that uterus after, after calving or, um, you know, do a flush by flushing, uh, 
like sterile saline in there to flush the pieces of the placenta out. And that's not really, it's not really done anymore because research has shown that just putting these guys on a good systemic antibiotic uh, is just as effective at treating a retained placenta as doing all these things to the uterus. So I don't get excited about retained placenta. Um, I suspect that probably at least 80 to 90% of the time when people tell me that they didn't see the placenta and they're concerned about the retained placenta, I my top <laughs> differential for that is that the goat passed the placenta and she ate it and you just never saw it. Um, if the goat is acting fine, making normal amount of milk, eating and drinking well, nursing its kid, if it's if the kid is on the kid and everything is good there, I I don't care about the placenta. That sounds kind of sad, but I just I don't get excited about it. Um, yeah, we have and we have good we have good antibiotics for for retained placenta when it actually happens. So um, they've they tend to do well. Um, stage three labor, passing the placenta. Another thing that is probably like one of the top questions about, uh, goats that have given birth, this isn't necessarily paraparturient because this is probably a little bit further off than the period immediately after, um, kidding as, uh, is discharge after kidding, uh, and this is called lochia, and it is a like reddish brown, usually kind of thick discharge um, coming from the vulva, and it is totally normal. Um, it probably starts anywhere from five to ten days after kidding, and can last up to like two to three weeks. Again, this is a thing of if the doe is eating fine, drinking fine, acting totally normal, making plenty of milk. I don't get excited about discharge after kidding a couple weeks after totally normal um might have a bit of that like birthy goo smell to it but um unless the dough is sick or there's a foul odor or there's some other concern there i don't get excited it's part of the normal process of what's called uterine involution so that's the uterus resetting and going back to getting ready to cycle in the fall. Um, and yeah, it's, it's nothing to be excited about. Probably the most exciting thing about it is that you have to clean it up. Um, if you are super proactive, you may give your does like a little like Brazilian, um, bikini clip before kidding. Uh, we tend to do it after kidding cause it's winter and usually still in March when we start kidding. Um, but you can clip that hair short and help keep them clean down there, um, especially when the lochia starts to come out. Um, I like in this, I, I do not have human children, um, but I understand that women after having a human baby have discharge after that birth. So we're all mammals and that kind of discharge is normal. Uh, what else do I do with these does? Um, right after kidding, I will off usually offer them some nice warm water, especially if it's cold out because they just expelled like 
probably a couple, like a, a full-size dairy dough with a two, two kids just expelled a lot of fluid that she had had in her body. And she also worked kind of hard for a not very athletic animal. So, um, I offer them water. Um, I'll often give them some like Nutri-Drench or something nice and sweet to get, get them a little sugar, uh, a little glucose in their blood real quick. And, um, we offer them grain because we have to milk them out, um, because we bottle raise all our kids, as I believe I've discussed before. In a normal birth where I didn't have to do much of anything, um, I do not do anything like prophylactically after kidding. I don't give antibiotics. Um, meh. They're, they're, usually, they're usually good to go there. Um, if it was a particularly difficult birth... Uh, I might have, you know, give them some pain relief. It just, it depends on the case, but like your normal, typical, easy birth, they're, they're pretty, I guess the only, the only thing I didn't mention when I was talking about stage two labor is that, um, I maybe even in a normal birth where the doe absolutely could do it all on her own. I tend to be a little bit hands-on because she probably wants it over with. She's like squeezing a big old baby out through a small opening. And if I can help her get through that a little bit more quickly, then I will. Uh, sometimes the goat kids, even when they're in like proper position and you can see toes and a nose, um, if the toes are right next to the nose, sometimes I'll grab those toes and pull them forward because the kids can get in this elbow lock position where the elbows are tucked and the nose is right on top of the toes. And that is not as streamlined of a position. So sometimes I'll grab one set of toes and pull and then grab the other set of the toes and pull. And as the dough is pushing, I can help her get that baby out a little bit faster. Um, I tend to, my husband and I tend to help the does clean off the babies, make sure they're breathing. Um, the does are better at cleaning off the babies than we are. So if they're into it, we encourage them to be into it. Um, they're, they're better at it and they don't have to do laundry after. So, <laughs> uh, we like for them to help. I think that kind of wraps up a discussion of normal labor and delivery and, um, yeah, some, some kidding pro tips there. Uh, if you have any questions or other kidding pro tips that you would like to share with the goat podcasting community, uh, give me a shout email or through the website, uh, goatdoc.com and follow me on the Instagram. I need to start thinking about kidding 2019. Uh, if you have a moment and you're enjoying the podcast and you would like to rate and review on Apple Podcasts, that would be awesome. And I, like I said, I think I have a few more episode topic requests and things like that in my list. So those will hopefully be coming soon. Thanks everybody so much for listening. I appreciate it. And I will talk to you next time. Meh. <laughs>